This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Happy Monday and welcome back to the WOMED. I really like checking in on people and seeing what they're up to, how they've grown. I'm kind of like your mom asking why you haven't called. Just kidding. This week, I'm checking back in with Sarah of She's in Scrubs on Instagram. Sarah graduated with her RN two years ago now and has some killer advice for new grads who will be starting their first jobs during a pandemic. We get pretty deep into what tolls have been taken on the nursing community. I love seeing how her voice and social media presence has grown this past year. So strip down out of your work scrubs, grab a hot shower, and take a listen. You know that nursey energy never fails. This week, Nicole Teresa wrote in, I took a risk a month ago, and today I got my welcome packet for my new job in the PICU at Hopkins, which I start next week. So pumped and excited and nervous and thankful. Girl, you should be and feel all those things. That is a huge accomplishment. Very happy for you here on the WOMED. I know it's tough right now, especially for new grads. I want to encourage all the future preceptors out there to take a breath, and think about how precepting or orienting a new nurse will look and feel different this year. It's going to be a challenge for you both, but a great opportunity to positively shape a new career. Your advice and knowledge are so valuable to your new coworkers. It will be tough, but try not to take it out on each other. Foster a relationship where you can talk together about what went well or what's really hard. We really have to take care of each other now more than ever. Nice to see you too. It's been a minute. Oh my God, it's been forever. Oh my goodness. Sarah, welcome back to the WOMED. I'm so happy to see your face. No, I'm so happy to see you. (laughs) (laughs) I was working on a title and stuff for this and I was like, she's just not a new grad anymore. You know, she's making her way in the in the field and I was like, well, not so new grad Sarah. Like (laughs) like that. Perfect. Yeah, I had to take it out of my bio because People were like, what does a new grad know about COVID? I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to, I'll just take yeah. it out of my life. <laughs> you have to own your power. You have to own your experience. Yes. You've been doing this for a long time now. Oh, two years. I can't believe Final. it's been two years. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I feel like that was right about when I started feeling like, I think like a year, year and a half-ish was when I really started feeling like, okay, like I'm comfortable. I feel like I'm not going to like kill somebody as soon as I walk in the door. (laughs) I'm comfortable in the unit. I know where things are. But then two years I was like, yeah, okay. Still ready to learn, but you're comfortable. Would you say that's kind of correct? Yeah. And I even, they even trusted me to like teach someone the other day, like a piece of tea. Amazing. (laughs) And they, they felt I did good. So. Well, good. Is that something you want to do? Be like a preceptor? So I actually had signed up for a class, but then they all got canceled. So yeah, yeah, but they needed someone. So I ended up having to do it anyway, um, without even knowing I was going to do it. And then I was like, oh, okay. So then I did it. it (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure you did great. Are they having, are you guys hiring a lot of new grads into your COVID unit right now? Um, No, we 
frozen all non-essential hiring. So if they're hiring okay. anyone, it'll be like travelers or anyone with experience, really. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Man, that sucks for all the new grads. I know that. Yeah, I made a post about it because I was like, first of all, you can't even have your pinning in graduation. Yeah. It's like on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> then you don't even know when your job is going to open up. So Ugh. that's even more frustrating. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. I can't believe they have a hiring freeze. Yeah. And the thing is like my hospital is, oh, it's, it's a mess. So yeah, a lot of hospitals, they are not making money because there's not enough elective surgeries going mm-hmm. on. If they even have any, not even 20%. I didn't think so about that either. They're making budget cuts. And what they've been doing now, they've just started this, is upping the ratio on the COVID unit from one to three to one to four. And eventually it'll be one to five. And we're a progressive care unit. So very frustrating. And yeah. um, the same for the CNAs too. And the thing is, these patients are coming from a lot of nursing homes, their total care, and then all their chronic conditions are exacerbated, plus what's going on with COVID. So it's not safe, but they're cutting nurses so that they don't have to pay us. And it's really frustrating. It just, it started up like that. And that's, that was the announcement we got for Nurses Week. So plus some, some chocolate. <laughs> not even a cake. You're going to up my ratios and you're not going to bring me a cake. <laughs> Um, a new great pen that's gonna last for two months <laughs> we got chocolate and an announcement it wasn't even the end of nurses week that they told us man oh yeah. man so two nights ago i worked they started the four one to four it was a lovely shift <laughs> for everyone i'll let you interpret that <laughs> i mean we don't have too many non-healthcare type people listening to this, but for anyone that is, those patient ratios take away from actual patient care time and time that you're able to spend and give quality care to patients, which is like the backbone of what we do. You know, we like to make connections. We like to actually take time and make each patient feel valued and safe where they're at. Not like, okay, um, I'm going to rush in. Here's your pills. Swallow. Okay, you're done. Good. Next. That makes no sense. Their hospital ratings are going to go down because who are they going to complain about? The nurse that they had, not knowing that their nurse had four or five other patients. And even worse is that they want us to bundle care and not be in the rooms too long because it's a COVID unit. Yeah. And so that's also putting us at risk for more exposure, having more patients. Mm-hmm. Um that are positive usually so it's it's it, every day is different <laughs> and it's frustrating but I mean I don't plan on um leaving the COVID unit till it's all over and I'll just be part of the core staff who knows who knows if I get cut who knows <laughs> wait they aren't actually like firing nurses though they're starting they're telling people on other units although our ERs are becoming full again because Florida's starting to open up Mm. um that they could be furloughed but they're the thing is they're upping the ratios on the other units too so that they can furlough nurses i wonder if that's happening in other hospitals too and that's why people are like these conspiracy theories are like oh they're furloughing nurses or my nurse friend got fired it's like it's not because they don't need staff it's because they don't want to pay us yeah 
And like you said, all elective surgeries have been canceled. So that's where people make their money on. They're like, okay, I'm going to elect to have my knee replaced. I'm going to elect to have my hips done, you know, or like spinal surgeries and stuff like that. They literally like led with an email telling us how much the hospitals lost in the last month and things like that. And I'm just like, once again, showing how much they care about their nursing staff. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what am I supposed to do about that? I mean, I just want to do my job. Yeah. How's that my fault? Oh my gosh. (laughs) And this happens on Nurses Week. (laughs) Like, this is supposed to be our week. This is supposed to be our week where we are celebrated and feel somewhat appreciated and get a damn good, like, marble cake with the good frosting. I'm not trying to joke about, like, the cake situation. It's just, like, I can't believe. You have to laugh. Well, yeah. Because otherwise you're going to (laughs) cry. Yes, that's exactly. I just laugh. <laughs> it's just because oh it's so ridiculous. And I'm just waiting for the next week of the next change. That'll be not helping patients. It'll be helping the hospital. Hospital so. staff, big wigs, maintain their bonuses for the year. Yeah. So it's May. They decided to take a 5% pay cut. Five months into the pandemic. Yeah. You have your, I'm sorry, people are going to listen to this and be like, there's just bitching on there. But I'm like, no, no, people will totally relate to this because like, it'll be like half and half people will relate. And I don't care because it's important and it's very important to nurses. You have NBA players and different sports professionals who are giving up a lot more than that to pay their staff and stuff in, in the stadiums and, and yet hospital professionals can't or hospital like board members are taking only a five percent cut Uh, we're expected to to take a leave if we'd like with our benefits but not paid not paid or be furloughed wow like people have kids and bills yeah or they were even like they were like student loans from nursing school that they need to pay off yeah, they were like, if you do that, though, you could always get money from the government every week. They're like, so you that could do that. That only goes until, like, June. Yeah. So, that's lovely. Lovely nurses, like, oh my God. <laughs> But to be honest, though, depending on how much your state's, like, unemployment is, you yeah. might make more. Yeah. Which is, okay. it's, it's super, super shitty to say, but yeah. you add on, like, the state's unemployment and then the federal giving you extra like $600 every week yeah. it might come out yeah. even-ish but yeah. still that doesn't and it's impossible make it any easier to it almost and then listening and knowing that your coworkers are still stuck on the floors and drowning yeah. in patients yeah. oh insane. hospital politics and it could have all been avoided if we had, you know, pandemic contingency plans nationally. Yes. As yes. if this thing would never have happened, even though it happens every couple decades. But who am I? Not an expert in anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. And we do not run the government. <laughs> I'm not salty at all. Girl, I would be too. This whole this whole thing has been crazy. And you're down in Florida, so Nashville is like slowly starting to phase open. I was able to go back to work at our 
med spa medical clinic finally. So that was great. It felt good just to kind of be a contributing member of society again, but still there's that fear. And I mean, like how quickly is Florida opening up? So to most of the nurses, it feels like we just closed and now we're opening up again. And it kind of is that way because our governor, Ron DeSantis, kind of didn't take this seriously until a month ago. Yeah. So we had like our stay at home orders for like literally a month and now we're opening up restaurants. People can at like full capacity, um, like I think 25% capacity. Okay. And they can eat outside. And then they're thinking about opening nail salons and hairdressers as well. Okay. Um, So I don't know. I think like a capacity percent Mm -hmm. as well. So, but it still feels like it's too soon because we were behind on testing. Yeah. We've been behind in every aspect. And the thing is, for two weeks, Florida hasn't reported deaths because our governor blocked the Board of Health from doing so. So there's like a two-week gap in death reporting. This is so frustrating because I'm a person that likes data and I like to see results that are being reported. I like the statistics of it. No one's reporting accurately. Like the fact that you can just, oh, I'm just going to withhold how many deaths my state has had. And they're only counting residents right now. Oh, this is so frustrating. So like I saw this article, it was like, oh, Ron DeSantis, this governor, he's doing such a great job in Florida, but no one's reporting it. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and testing still isn't that easy to get done. It's only been a month since we've gotten the rapid test. Mm-hmm. So when I was first starting on the COVID, it was just two months ago. Um, We were still doing the 10 to 14 day test. Oh, man. So these patients didn't even know if they had it or not. Yeah, two weeks. That's about how long it was taking us here, too. And that's just crazy. One of my friends didn't get anything for like three weeks. Yep. And he's like, "Well, I'm just quarantining myself at home." So this is just—it's so—it's so so frustrating and so confusing. And I feel like people are getting so tired of hearing about it and talking about it. But the fact is, like, we're going like we don't have a way to stop and treat this. We don't have a way to protect lay people, healthcare workers, like anyone from this until we have a vaccine, which I mean, maybe in the next 10 months, like, cause this has been going on since what, January-ish? Yeah. I mean, you'd think that China's already been working on it longer because they've had it, the, yeah. the first outbreak and stuff there. So it's like, I just don't think people, people think they can just go back down and specifically in Nashville, everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to go to the bars and go back down on Broadway. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, you're still going to get sick. Like, people yeah. are still going to get sick. It, it's not just disappearing. <laughs> okay, you guys know that the WOMED is a very mental health supportive space. We love therapy here. And BetterHelp is my favorite. I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it. Healthcare professionals are great at taking care of other people, but how we show up for our patients is directly related to how we show up for ourselves. The work we do on a daily basis is mentally, physically, and emotionally draining. BetterHelp is here to aid you and help you live your fullest, happiest life. It's not self-help. BetterHelp is professional counseling from the safety and privacy of your own home. I have my sessions on my own couch, not someone else's. 
They assess your needs and match you up with your own professional therapist. And if they aren't the most therapeutic match for you, they make it very easy and it's free to change counselors if that's what you need. This service is available worldwide, and in most cases, it is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is available. BetterHelp's counselors are specialized in stress, relationships, trauma, LGBTQ matters, and family conflicts, along with depression, anxiety, and even problems surrounding sleep. This is not a crisis line. BetterHelp sets you up with your own personal counselor that you can message anytime and you're able to schedule phone or video sessions weekly. If it's easier for you to go in right after work, you can set up an appointment right after work. If you want to set up an appointment before you get up to go to work, you can do that. Or on your off days. It's so easy. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com womed. You can join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health by going to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, dot com slash WOMED. Woo, therapy. We don't scientifically have a way to treat people. And that's something people don't understand either. It's like, oh, these people are dying from their chronic conditions. Oh, they have comorbidities. Um you know, they're not going to just land in the hospital out of nowhere with an exacerbation of their chronic condition. If they have COVID and it's going to affect every single part of their body and they're treating that, managing that. So they're just saying that someone has comorbidities and that it's okay for them to just die. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. No. And so people don't realize either that they think, oh, you signed up for this job. It's like, um, yes, I came on to be a nurse, but we don't see death like this every single day that we work normally. No. We don't see, there's, we've never seen anything like this. With regular chronic conditions, with your cardiac arrest, with your stroke, with CHF, things like that, we know how to treat that. We have protocols. We have standards. With COVID, your every single day is different for your patient. Mm-hmm. They could go into a cytokine storm and their body's just eating up, it, like eating itself and attacking itself. Yeah. And that comes out of nowhere. So we're we're not only managing people's chronic conditions and their comorbidities, but we're also trying to keep up with something that we've never seen before and we don't know yeah. how to treat. Yeah. On top of everything else. So and then cutting our staff is just gonna make things so much worse. And it's not gonna help our patients. It's not gonna help um prevent these deaths. It's not gonna help patient care in any way. And so no. When people say like, "Oh, we signed up for this. Oh, you should be used to this by now." I was like, "No, we we people don't like in ICUs. They have such a great management of these patients. Mm-hmm. Normally, they know like exactly what to do for yeah. critical care patients. With COVID, like you are, you have to keep your eye on that every single minute because so many different things can happen. Yeah. So yeah, it's just frustrating that people don't realize that and. Or dismiss, or, or or they're like, oh, those deaths are old people. It's like, it was your grandparent, your parent. Yeah, you how would care. you feel? And it's until someone in your family is affected, these people just think about themselves. And that's you're the not allowed to be for, there at the bedside with them. That's the worst part. Yeah. Like, that crushes my soul. And you have these patients dying alone in mm-hmm. the hospital. And it takes, you know, a nurse, a CNA 
someone to just hold their hand, but they can't do it for like a full shift because they're exposing themselves. Right. And yeah, it's, it's rough. That's so frustrating. You make a really good point in there. And I want to talk more about that because I know specifically you have had a fair few comments saying that like, you're just complaining, you're doing like, you're exaggerating things. And it's like, I remember one day and specifically where we lost three infants on our unit, but all like one day in 12 years. And it was all from different things. And one was a delivery that the patient was born dead. Another was like a 24 weeker with massive brain bleeds that was slowly being withdrawn. And then the other one was a, another delivery that was high drops. Like I remember all three of these specifically because I woke up sobbing in the middle of the day. That happened once in 12 years when we lost three patients in the NICU. You have patients dying. In New York, it was as bad as one patient was dying like what every hour up there, like someone was dying every single hour and like, you know, no, I think it was more than that. I don't know. I, I don't quote me on those statistics, but the fact that like you are seeing death repeatedly, like yeah. that takes such an emotional toll. Like you were guy, like, I'm not on like the front lines right now, but it is effectively going to war. Like you guys have been drafted into this war you didn't sign up for this the last time we had the draft was Vietnam yep and to say like you're not going to have PTSD from this or that it's not going to affect you or you're complaining about it like I'm proud of you for using your voice and for telling the truth about what's happening because people need to hear that people need to know but I know you have had and I've caught a few of them some comments like saying that you're just exaggerating you're making it up and that just that frustrated me and I can't imagine how you've been dealing with that yeah they just say oh I have a friend that's a nurse and then you go to their profile and it's private and they have zero followers <laughs> I'm like where are your friends <laughs> user one two seven three four like seriously I'm just it's just I can't even like I can't even respond anymore it's just and then I feel so terrible for people who do respond and then they go into these mm-hmm. tirades with these poor people, like with these crazy people. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I've never had this many code blues in a night. Mm-hmm. You don't have this many, you know, allow natural death patients just go overnight. You know what I mean? Yeah. All in the same night. So it's a lot of death. And it's not just, you know, your patients that are older. It's your 50 year old patient that you thought was doing well. And then they get up to go to the bathroom and, they just code like that happens frequently with this thing because it's causing hypercoagulable states it's mm-hmm. making people have strokes it's having them pe clots go up to their brain go into their heart cause cause a lethal arrhythmia and then they're gone like this is it's not a joke it's something no. it's incredible and the thing is every single time i have a covid positive patient it's the same thing starts off they're weak they can't even lift a jug to drink their water you know what I mean this is like this is not just older patients these are people and then they they're saying I'm scared to die I'm so afraid to die I'm afraid to die they're telling you that even before they even start experiencing symptoms then you have these fevers then you have diarrhea you can't even walk without getting extremely short of breath you can't breathe 
it's doing so much to these patients' bodies. You don't want to know what it's doing. And people want us to film our hospitals. They want to do all these things. They don't mm-hmm. believe us. But, you know, the number, just the numbers, and it's these numbers in the United States, they're under underreported. And it's 70,000 yeah. people that have passed away that we know of. And calling that insignificant, like what kind of person are you to think that that is insignificant? In New York City, I'm sure every single, almost every single person in New York City knows someone that's passed away. And my cousin, she's yeah. a podiatry resident in New York City who had to do emergency and internal medicine, like admitting and treating COVID patients as a podiatry resident. Mm-hmm. She said that every single nurse and physician that she interacted with knew someone that passed from COVID. And wow. these ICU physicians and nurses go back to work hours after their family dies in that same ICU. There's no bereavement. And she said to me, there's no time to stop and grieve because if you do, you will not get back up. And they can't afford that. Yeah. She told me about a nurse in the ICU who was on her feet 16 hours a day in New York City. And she had some blisters on her feet from these newer shoes that she had on the COVID unit. And a couple of weeks later, the ICU physicians noticed her hobbling and asked my, my cousin, a podiatry resident, to look at her feet. Her shoes were soaked from wound exudate. Just soaked. Wow. Through the soles. Swollen almost necrotic tissue on the top wounds on the bottom from standing and not resting she told her you know if you don't rest for at least a week and take these antibiotics because it is infected you could lose your feet this is what these nurses are going through it's not just you know lack of ppe it's Mm -hmm. you know you're going to work exposed because there's no staff so -hmm. you're sick you put on a mask and you keep working. And that's why these nurses are dying as well. And these physicians, because they're being exposed repeatedly, and then their bodies just shut down. And that's why they're younger too. So it's just a lot. And I had to share my cousin's story, because, Mm -hmm. you know, we speak every couple weeks on zoom. And that story, she said she wanted me to share it, because it just shows what people are doing to save these patients. She's walking on these wounds. And she has no other choice. And she doesn't even think she's able to leave for a week. She's like, I don't have PTO. How am I going to do that? You know, sacrificing your feet in order to keep taking care of your patients. And you feel awful for your, your coworkers because without you, that's even more of a load on them. Okay, guys, we need to take a quick break from Mint Mobile and you will be glad that we did. I was so drained from paying anywhere from 80 to 140 bucks a month for my cell phone provider. Why did it have to vary that much every month? Can't plan for it. What are all these extra freaking charges and taxes? If you are still using a big wireless provider and upset about the price gouging that I am, here's what you're actually paying for. Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you are being taken advantage of because these companies know you will pay. 
I had to do a double take when I learned about Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you are used to, but at a fraction of the cost, and by fraction, I mean $15 a month. Yeah, you heard that right, $15 a month. Everything is online. You can type in your address and the addresses of areas you frequent to see what your coverage will be like. You pick out your plan, and they send everything you need in a box, and setup is a breeze. They send you a new SIM card, and the setup steps are so easy. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, and those savings are passed directly to you. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, and you can avoid overpaying for data by choosing the plan that is right for you with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data plans. What about your old phone and contacts? Keep your phone, keep your contacts. It is so easy, and my bank account likes me a lot more. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, head to mintmobile.com slash WOMED. That's mint, M-I-N-T, mobile.com slash WOMED. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash WOMED. I'm so glad that you shared that. That's just, people need to, to hear those stories and be aware of what's actually happening. I feel like I've said it so many times and I'm like blue in the face now to some of my friends even that I'm just like, fine, you're going to do what you're going to do. I can't stop you. It's just so careless, though, thinking about adding that extra strain onto these nurses who are already under so much stress. And I've actually, something I was thinking about a lot, too, was the last time that we talked, you had taken steps to hopefully prevent burnout by, like, pre-seeking therapy. And is that something that you have still been able to do it all through this situation? And do you think that's been helpful? So we've been lucky that we have access to Zoom or telemed mm-hmm. bereavement or mental health appointments. Oh, good, um, good. I haven't had time to just go and do it, but I need to. Mm-hmm. But luckily the coping mechanisms that I got from my initial round of therapy have gotten me through it so far. That's good. And then I'll just cry <laughs> and talk to my fiance. And that's really my solace, you know? Yeah. But I haven't just sat down and really taken it all in yet. And I'm just waiting for it to, for what we're going through right now to end so that I can just. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and yeah. I, it just breaks me to see my coworkers and know what they're going through you know, and we, we do say it already. We say we already have PTSD from this. It's not Mm -hmm. even a question that we're going to, we have it. Yeah. It's just how we're going to cope going forward. And a lot of places that are hit have been hit hard, like Michigan and New York, you know, they can't afford a second peak. No, no, they can't. That's the whole point of, you know, making people aware that this is real because these people, they cannot survive another peak. It's just not physically possible. And people don't realize critical care medical professionals are few and far between. 
Mm-hmm. And those with experience are the ones that teach people like me who are newer. Yeah. And if we lose them, who is going to teach us how to manage these patients? So this yeah. is who we're staying home for. And it's not something small. It's These are people who are trained to manage you when you end up in the hospital and you're in need of critical care. It's not something you can learn in a day. No. You know, they can try to treat, teach med surge and PCU nurses like myself in a week how to help, you know, manage meds. And that's just the, the critical thinking. And, you know, you have this already sense of what's going to happen to your patient just by looking at them. Mm-hmm. You cannot learn that in a week. No. no, you can't. So that is the most precious thing that we must save. And not only from another peak, but mentally keep them well and the only way we can do that is by taking them seriously and not disrespecting them and then giving them time to grieve and you know recover Mm -hmm. and we're not doing that by you know allowing things to open up too quickly we're just expecting them to just get up and keep going and there's no reserve for that no because this is just you have to compartmentalize you're honestly just working in survival mode right now. And we just, we need to, we need to give our healthcare providers a break and just respect what they're doing. And it's like, yeah, it sucks. Like a lot of things have shut down. You can't do a lot of things, but I mean, at what cost? Like get, like, just give it a couple months you know, let them get things under control. Let them have some space to breathe. I know. We have to talk about the hard things. We do. Because if we don't, you know, it's we have to record this. We have to mm-hmm. make it known because if we don't say what's really happening, you know, the people who are making conspiracies, they'll win. Yeah. And the hospitals that the administrators and then the state and local and federal government who who truly failed us mm-hmm. won't be held accountable without our our words and yeah you know the documentation of of what happened because no matter how much people want to say that this was handled well it wasn't it's been a chaotic mess mm-hmm. and we're suffering because of it and it has yeah. you know there's no need to go into politics about it it's the facts yeah this the unnecessary deaths. Yeah. No. The unnecessary deaths of our medical professionals from this uh, in and of itself is enough to, you know, prove that this wasn't handled properly. Mm-hmm. And not having protective equipment on hold for a pandemic is something we'll learn from. But we can't take those deaths back and we can't bring those people back. No. Especially not our our nurses and doctors and hospital staff that have all passed away from this too, just from trying to keep their own COVID patients alive. Like today, there was an article of a nurse. I'm not sure where she was, but um, she had the choice to either run and unlock the N95 cabinet to put one on or go save her patient who was coding. So she put on a surgical mask and went in there to start compressions and save her patient. And she passed away from COVID. 
because her the N95s on her unit were locked in order to who even knows you shouldn't look I like what even what can you even say you can't yeah you can't like you have a unit with patients who have COVID and you're locking the N95s the whole mass situation is really really been such a struggle because I've heard everything from you know hospitals have the masks but they're rationing them to the government has been like seizing them from different like hospital shipments and there's just been such a lack of what we're doing to protect our people who are working on the front lines like you've been wearing your N95 for two weeks correct yes and walk me through that you like leave it in a paper bag and like they sanitize it for you somehow so they do a UV radiation and according to the CDC you should only do that twice. And, and so they do it for 14 Three days. times. Three times. And then we wear up to four shifts. So it's two weeks old. Oh, my God. I was watching a video that you were doing. TikTok, your, your TikTok game is so strong. I, I cannot figure it out. <laughs> I've tried. I've literally tried so hard. But I watched a video that you did about your daily pre, you're at work and like how you have to gown up and I lost track of how many masks you have to wear (laughs) just to try and protect yourself so I personally I wear so I put on some it's called silicone tape you can find it on Amazon yeah Um, and it gives you like an extra layer of skin and it's really thin so it shouldn't make a difference with the seal and even so people were commenting about that it's like listen I've worn this thing for different shifts mm-hmm. I think the seal's already compromised guys yeah <laughs> but also to help prevent skin breakdown I mean people I yes. mean I, that tape you're using it kind of looked like Mepitac and we had that in the in the yes. NICU yeah and it's preventing because I was getting a cut right on my nose bridge oh and it was god girl deep and yeah. then my face was just breaking out and it, so far it's really helped because I would usually have a red mark but right now yeah I was like your anymore. skin looks great so that has helped. Yeah. I put on my N95 and then a surgical mask. And then some people wear a cloth mask over it. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to show people what some people are wearing. So they're wearing three layers. Personally, yeah. I don't wear this, the cloth masks. I just can't breathe. But some people do the whole shift. They wear all three layers. Wow. And, you know, I get tension headaches. Um, mm-hmm. Really, honestly, forgetful recently. If we check our pole socks, I'm sure it's <laughs> not. I'm sure normal. it's probably low because you're just rebreathing a bunch of CO2. <laughs> yeah. So. so the other shift, I like the most recent shift I had, I had my mask on probably mm-hmm. 90% of the shift, probably 11 hours to, mm-hmm. out of the whole shift because I was so busy. Yeah. So it's really, really difficult and it's suffocating. And we wear a disposable gown, but we only have one the whole shift. And then if we have like COVID negative or patients under investigation and positive patients combined in the positive rooms, you'd put a raincoat over your disposable gown. I'm sorry, raincoat? <laughs> yeah. Like a Morton Salt Girl raincoat? A raincoat. Or like a poncho? A ra- like a poncho. Oh or a raincoat. <laughs> or... Is it hospital a- supplied? <laughs> 
Oh yeah. Okay. I think. Who knows? They've just been hanging there. <laughs> or like or like a triple XL Tyvek suit that yeah. literally I will trip in. Yeah. <laughs> and then That's you wipe we... it down after. Yeah. <laughs> but oh it's God. not like a nice Tyvek suit. It's literally just like you know those thumb men in, in spy kids? You're know. aging me. I never, I think I was never too mind. old for spy kids at that it's point. Like, it's like two giant tubes for arms and two giant tubes for legs. And you're yeah. like walking around there. <laughs> and you wipe it down. <laughs> to, to not wear your disposable gown in the pocket, but you wear that over it. Mm-hmm. Science, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to overheat. You're not going to die from, <laughs> not going to pass no. out, sorry, from rebreathing all the CO2. <laughs> Med pass is a marathon and it is being in hell because <laughs> you're so hot. Yeah. I sweat through, like, literally, the raincoat is usually wet after I take it off. It's disgusting. So then I have to wipe it down. It's gross. Ugh. So gross. And then my scrubs are soaked and it's just. And then we were wearing surgical scrubs, which mm-hmm. was nice because then yeah. the hospital laundered them. Yeah. But because of budget cuts, they don't want to launder them. It. <laughs> So now Dump I it. my scrubs to work and then I have to launder them at home. So and so I just change out of my lovely scrubs that I purchase and then put on my layman clothes or my or not layman. I don't even know what I'm talking about. My you know everyday workout clothes. gear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I go home. And then oh I God. strip in the garage, put it all in the washer, and call it a day. But it would have been nice. Out. To have the surgicals. Oh yeah, the recovery time has increased. Well, like you shifts. can't even. I don't know. I would be too scared to take off my mask to even to do anything but go in and eat lunch. Like forget taking a drink of water each shift. Like that's oh, no. three different masks I, I have to take off. I don't drink water until I have my break. So you know I'm what? Very, very dehydrated. They should or I'll chug a Gatorade. Well, good. That's at least something. <laughs> but they should be giving, like, offering, like, free IVs for nurses. Just, like, a banana bag real quick, like, after each shift just to rehydrate you. That's a brilliant idea. Yes. Do yes. this for They us, really should. <laughs> Forget no. budget cuts. Like, or at least, like, all those clinics that, you know, offer, like, the hangover IV bags and stuff should be, like, if you just had a shift, like, come in for a free bag that oh I'm full of great ideas one idea I really loved of yours was because you have to wear all these masks it's so much pressure like you're getting headaches like you said you have all this like tension and pressure behind your ears like people are getting sores back there you like took the initiative and just sewed buttons onto your headband oh yeah (laughs) yeah my favorite (laughs) yeah so I sewed buttons on it and then you just you know it acts as your ears for you if that makes sense and it's worked it's worked really well that's awesome I and love my that mom made me um a bunch of caps nice she's so sweet so I wear like a cap over my head and then I wear like if we have them like disposable cap over it mm-hmm. so that just it's to not, protect it yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's a lot but I still don't feel protected you know yeah. what we saw in China and Italy they had beautiful PPE yeah they had so much it was so nice 
And so now I just manufacture a lot of it there. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I just, yeah, it looks like the Tyvek suits and everything Mm -hmm. are so fancy and the peppers and all that. Yeah. So I just feel like I'm like walking in with a little thin disposable gown and calling it (laughs) and then hanging it up on the door. Yeah. Like you almost wish you could like Sandy wipe. (laughs) (laughs) That is not approved. That is not approved. I repeat, Sandy cloths are not approved for skin. No, but not. (laughs) That's how we feel, though. Yeah, because I take a burning hot shower when I get home, and that's the best part of my day. (laughs) I would too. I'd probably cry in the shower though too if I was still working the best. Just just a little bit. (laughs) You know, it's fine. That's a healthy release. That is a very healthy thing to do. Being that you've gotten like so creative like with that mask have you what's the craziest thing that you've seen with people trying to get creative with their masks or like what do you think would be really beneficial because there's a lot of people who are obviously going to town making cloth masks and stuff for um everyday use but people are also you know nurses and doctors are wearing them over their n95s just to try and add a little bit of extra safety because obviously those are they're supposed to be single use single patient use. <laughs> Single patient use um, <laughs> would, would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was way back in the day, a couple months ago. But like, what are some of the crazier things or that you've seen people do? Or what do you think would be like really helpful and comfortable, especially for healthcare providers to have like an extra barrier? So I, I really like the, the way people have made masks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, figs put in a little wire in between. Yes. Like on the nose bridge. Mm-hmm. So if people do that, you can literally just put like a paper clip. If yeah. You, if you're sewing, just put it like on the nose bridge so that we can uh-huh. tighten it and make an even better seal. I really like yeah. that. Yeah. Really like that. Yeah. Um, and then I've seen people make like 3D print these ear savers as well. And they're like, yeah. they look like little gadgets. And oh, they have I've little seen those. hooks. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so they like 3D print them. We've had those donated and they're not too, too hurtful. And then That's you can good. do like cloth with buttons, like cloth, like a little strip of cloth and then two buttons and then put it on the back of your head. And that's even more comfortable. My mom made me one of those. Ooh, um, that sounds really good. People have brought their own goggles from home and they look like you're going fishing <laughs> <laughs> or, or scuba diving, scuba diving. Uh, with like the whole nose thing and everything or yes. just like oh my god no I would die you can't wear your mask then <laughs> there I don't know people have been crazy bringing all kinds of stuff and then well the, yeah I, the raincoats mm-hmm. that has killed me but and then I saw like a meme of someone using a, a spider-man toy on the back of their I head. saw that too that was hilarious I think Abby posted I that. that one um that was phenomenal I, I don't know who initially did it because it was like a DM for credit, but and I, sorry, Abby, I did, did not DM you for credit, um, but that Spider-Man story was hilarious. No, I love that one. And someone edited, um, what's his name? The original Spider-Man. Oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, Tobey Maguire? Yes, they, they edited his face like <laughs> onto it. And it was That's amazing. amazing. Oh, it made me so happy. <laughs> Oh, these, this, the meme game, the nursing meme game has been really strong. Oh yeah. But I think to kind of finish this out on a hopeful, positive note, being that it is nurses week, it'll be nurses week next week in Canada. 
what advice do you have for new grads that are potentially going to be starting in the next couple of months or like whenever this hiring freeze lifts? Because they're going to be starting in like units like this. So um, the biggest thing is really you have to make sure that you are wearing all your PPE before going into your patient's room. Mm -hmm. Even though it is difficult to remember or you know, you want to go in if someone's crashing and you want to go as fast as you can. But if you have access like next to you, your N95, just put it on mm-hmm. and put on your goggles mm-hmm. and put on your surgical mask and put on your gloves and your gown. Just make sure you protect yourself because we need you. And um, if you become sick or, you know, become exposed then we don't have you and, and yeah. we really, 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 really need staff. Um, once things get back to normal where they're actually um, staffing, you know, and paying for nurses. <laughs> yeah, not furloughing them. Yes. And it's going to be really difficult. And, you know, you're going to have to be as vigilant as you can be, even though you're new and you're just trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Be patient with your preceptors because they're going to probably be burnt out. So if they take it out on you, you know, it's, it's not you. I promise it's not you. It's literally the situation we've been put in the last year. That's really good advice. It's, it's, I promise it's not you. And I'm sorry, because I know it's going to feel, you're going to feel, you know, you're going to get, you might get snapped at, or you might, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really difficult. It's going to be unlike any other new grads experience Mm -hmm. in a very long time. So just make sure to right now brush up on respiratory care on what we're doing for COVID patients, like standard wise, especially Mm -hmm. for your hospitals that you're looking for and brush up on that ACLS if you can get it because people are very, very sick right now. So do your best to prepare yourself because I don't think it's going to be a slow and steady. You're going to get an easy assignment type of thing with your preceptor. Like everyone's sick yeah, and everyone's chronic conditions are going to be exacerbated. And people that are staying home, you know, they are, may not be taking their medications. They might not have access to their medication. So they're going to come in sicker than they've ever been. And we're going to have to be managing that. So Mm -hmm. acuity is going to be super duper high. So be prepared for that as well. And just be prepared to be thrown into the fire, most likely with your preceptor. And you're going to have to move quickly and learn through that. And you're going to have to find ways to cope with the frustration of not knowing anything Mm -hmm. while this is going on and seeing people crash and seeing, seeing, seeing people possibly pass away as well more frequently than new grads usually do. Yeah. So that's going to be really difficult. And I think you should also maybe look into um, mental health resources as well Mm -hmm. beforehand to you know, get some coping mechanisms, kind of like I did um, when I started, before I started um, as a nurse. And such um, great advice. Yeah. So that's, that's my best advice for the new grads. It's a weird time and, but you're going to get through it and you're going to be an amazing nurse because of it. Yes, definitely. Huge shout out again to all the new grads that are going to be coming in and just Thank you for joining the nursing profession. Yeah. And not giving up because it's freaking (laughs) not a fun time right now. 
No, <laughs> it's not you fun. Going to it. <laughs> I would almost add to that and say, even if it like the first couple days, all you do is like, just really focus on learning where everything is. So if like your preceptor is like, Hey, I need this. Can you like run and grab that? Like, yeah, you might kind of be like a gopher for the first couple weeks, Yeah, you know, just because yeah. a runner. Yeah. Yeah. So just study the stock supply rooms. Yes. It's already difficult for someone yes. who works on the board. So just like mentally prepare for the supply room. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds bad, but that's probably the truth, honestly. Yeah. But you're going to learn. You're going to learn regardless. It's just going to be a very different time. Yeah. Not what you're used to. Sarah, I'm so proud of you. You oh. have created such a strong voice in this field and on social media. And I think you are just one of the absolute top resources for nursing, for new nurses on social media. So I, I mean, please plug yourself. I'll, I'll pl- I'm plugging you right now. Go follow <laughs> Sarah. She's at, she's in scrubs. She is phenomenal. And I'm just, I'm very proud to know you proud of you can catalog and like see your growth and your comfort level in the nursing field. And I'm, I think it's, I think you've done an incredible job. You want me to cry? No, I, I don't want you to cry. Like I'm crying <laughs> thinking about like how much I've seen you grow. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. It's like I'm you, really... you, and, you and Danielle are my nurse moms. Uh, <laughs> how about sister or aunt? <laughs> Sister and aunt. Yeah. The cool aunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't don't age us too much. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm so bad at taking compliments, but Oh, we all are. We all are. Anyone if anyone came at me like that, I'd be like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> no, that's totally oh. okay. I just want you to hear it because I think especially, you know, so so many people can be so mean on social media. And I just want you to know from like one nurse to another who has that critical care background too. Like, I think you're doing a phenomenal job. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Coming from you, that's very special. (laughs) You're so sweet. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the WOMED today. Go and and spend just some time with your fiance. I know you guys had to push back your wedding, but I hope you guys can actually make that happen soon too. But enjoy, enjoy your day off. I'll be playing Animal Crossing. Oh, I'll have to check that out. I haven't I haven't heard of that one. You need to do it. It's so okay. much fun. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, honey. Have a great day off. Enjoy, rest, sleep, whatever you need to do. You too. And stay safe, everyone. All right, great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm plugging Sarah again because I really believe in her voice and social media presence. Follow Sarah on Instagram at She's in Scrubs. That's S-H-E-S-I-N-S-C-R-U-B-S and Twitter at She's in Scrubs. You can follow along with The WOMED on Instagram at The WOMED and Twitter at The WOMED. And if you are interested, you can follow along with me on my personal Instagram at DMMultby. Please continue to submit your nursey energy moments and ideas for future guests to me at The WOMED. I love sharing these moments and my dream for the WOMED is truly to create a space where everyone has a place to speak, 
to feel heard and seen and can relate to each other. Big love to all of you. Stay safe. WOMED out.